Holy Spirit, I thank you for healing hearts this morning. Thank you for healing hearts with wounds by betrayal. Father, I thank you for healing hearts that are infected with bitterness. I thank you for healing hearts, God, that are, are bruised with regret. I can trust you with my heart. I can trust you with my heart. You're the healer. You make all things new. I can trust you with my heart. I can trust you with my heart. So I can trust you with my heart. Because you're the healer who makes all things new. I can trust you with my heart. I can trust you with my heart. Yes, I can trust you with my heart. Because you're the healer who makes all things new. Because you're the healer who makes all things new. Yes, you're the healer who makes all things new. Yes, you're the healer. You make all things. You're restoring it all right now. Yes, you're the healer. You make all things new. Every broken place, every broken piece, you're the healer. You make all things new. Father, I thank you. You don't just fix what's broken, but you take the broken and you replace it with something new. I thank you, God, for new relationships, for new family, for new people we confide in. I thank you, Lord, for fixing, God, our hearts. You're renewing our hearts. You're healing our hearts this morning. Jeremiah calls you the balm of Gilead. God, let the soothing balm of your presence wash over us in this place. 
We can trust you with our heart. Father, I thank you that the diagnosis isn't as deadly as the enemy wants to make it seem. Father God, I thank you that we went in thinking one thing, but the great physician took a look and said, yeah, it's not as bad as you thought. It's not as permanent as you thought it was. You're not going to limp forever. You're not going to hurt forever. You're not going to live with the memory of the pain forever because it's going to heal. It's going to be like brand new. Father, we thank you that you're the great physician. God, that if surgery is required, your success rate is flawless. Father, we thank you that there's no scar tissue when you perform surgery. God, there's no lingering damage when you perform surgery. There's no nerve damage when you perform surgery. Father, we can trust you, God, as we lay on the operating table in your presence. God, as you begin to cut away and you begin to heal and you begin to mend what's been broken by the enemy, what's been broken by confused people, what's been broken by hurt people. Father, I thank you that you are the great physician and you heal it in your healing right now this morning. Thank you for healing this morning. Thank you for healing this morning. Because I believe that you're my healer. I believe you are all I need. Oh, and I believe that you're my portion. And I believe you're more than enough for me. Is Jesus your all I need? And I believe you're my healer. And I believe you are all I need. Oh, and I believe that you are my portion. I believe you're more than enough for me. Because Jesus, you're all I need. Because, Jesus, you're all I need. Because, Jesus, you're all I need. Oh. Holy Spirit, we thank you this morning for your presence. We bless and honor your name. For your name is great and greatly to be praised. Father, I thank you for the hearts that you're healing. I thank you for seasons that are ending and seasons that are beginning. I thank you, God, that you, your people are turning a corner today. 
Not because the circumstance has changed, but because their faith and their perspective has. Father, we just honor you. We praise you this morning. We bless you. Give you all the glory. In Jesus' name, everybody said, Amen, 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 Amen. Father, I thank you for those kids as they go to class this morning. I pray that you'd minister to them, you'd touch them, you'd stain them with your presence. God, that when they grow up and they try to be stupid, they can't. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. How are you doing this morning? If your answer is anything but good or wonderful, we have not been in the same room for the last 45 minutes. I will tell you that. But I'm excited. How many of you enjoyed the message last week? All right, so I told you last week was kind of like the service, and this week we're going to go a little bit deeper with it. So I hope that's okay with you. <clears throat> hope you remember to bring your Bibles and your notebooks or your pens or whatever to write all over the place. I'm preaching right now in Shelmet from Ephesians chapter 6. And somebody looked at my, this. so this is my, my preaching Bible. It used to be my reading Bible, but I've written so much in it that I can't do my devotion in it anymore because I get confused. So I preach from this one because this is the one I can just like flip to, to the sword I'm good with or whatever. But I'm from Ephesians 6, and somebody from Shelmet saw my Bible, and they said, Pastor Chris, you better stop preaching from Ephesians 6. And I said, why? He said, because you ain't going to be able to read it much longer. you got so much written in here. I said, this is true. So I have this plan. I have three study Bibles at my house, and I take turns doing devotion in all three of them because when each of my children turns 16, I want to give them one of the study Bibles that has all my Marks and writing in it and stuff like that. So I'm telling you, write in your Bibles, mark all over them so that you can pass it on to somebody and they can, they can start where you finished. Amen? Amen. Well, last week we were in a series <clears throat> we're doing called Invest. And last week we talked about three currencies. Who remembers the three currencies? Time, faith, and what else? Talent. Time, talent, and faith. That's what we talked about last week. So we're going to pick up right there, but we're going to go back to Matthew chapter 25. Well, let's pray real quick. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for your word. I thank you for your presence. I thank you that it's you we're here for. We're not here to hear from me. We're here to hear from you. So, Father, I ask that you would allow me to communicate what you once said the way you want it said. None of myself in it at all. God, you be glorified, magnified, and lifted up in this sermon. God, because, Father, your word says that if I be lifted up, if Jesus be lifted up, you will draw all men unto him. So, Father, we thank you for it this morning in Jesus' name. God, I pray that through this message, God, that there is breakthrough that happens in people's lives. I pray, God, that walls and mindsets and strongholds and insecurities and fears and all the nonsense, God, that the enemy builds up in our lives, that you would tear it down today. Father, we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> we talked about the currencies, time, talent, and faith. And just like any investor, God wants a return on his investment. You ever went to the gym, and after about a week, you looked in the mirror, and it didn't look like you had gone to the gym? And then you said, like, I'm not getting a return on this investment, so I'm going to stop? You ever had that happen? If you haven't had that happen, you either haven't been honest in the mirror, or you haven't been honest right now. Because everybody who's ever gone to the gym has said that. Well, I've been paying, and it don't look like nothing, so why am I investing? Because, <clears throat> excuse me, my voice is being funny this morning. 
Because whenever we invest, we expect a return. That would make sense, right? Whenever you invest in a relationship, you expect to reap from that relationship. And God is no different. We read the story last week in Matthew 25, the parable of the talents. He gives five to one, two to one, and one to another. And it said that the master returned, and he wanted to get the return from his investment. And so a lot of times we think that God gives us stuff, and it's just free-for-all. We can do whatever we want because he loves us, and he's so gracious, and he's just going to give us what we have, and we're just going to get to run with it. We need to remember something, that, that God is a God of integrity. That God is a God of justice. God is a God of order. So whenever God gives something, God, God wants to see a return on it. Amen? Now, <clears throat> and if you've been given three types of currencies or three types of seed in time, talent, and faith, and you've been given those by God, then you've got to invest those because he's expecting a return on that investment, right? So I want to go back to Matthew 25 this morning, verse 14 and 15. For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. And to one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to each according to his own ability. And immediately he went on a journey. Last week I said that I was going to address that phrase, to each according to his own ability. But I wasn't going to do it last week, I'm going to do it this week. <clears throat> Sorry, I don't know what is going on in my throat this morning. The devil is a liar. You don't want you to hear this, apparently. Oh, hallelujah. But to each according to his own ability. I have two daughters. I have an eight-year-old and an almost seven-year-old. And they are different. They are very different. My oldest daughter, she is much more graceful. <clears throat> she taught herself to do some basic gymnastics. She could do it like a perfect cartwheel. She can perfect little round off. She just like started practicing and did it. My other daughter went to do a cartwheel. It looks like a train wreck. <laughs> However, they also played soccer for the first time last January. And the graceful child was not as good at soccer as the train wreck child was, right? Because on a soccer field, you need somebody who can just get out there and bang with them. And I remember, you know, they, they get the little, like, the, whatever, the red card. I don't know much about soccer. Get the red cards or whatever, right? Well, my daughters, and they don't give cards out with, like, the five- and six-year-olds, but they should have. Because my daughter would be running, and she's just, a, a, I'm telling you, she's a freight train. And, like, she just, poof, whoops, and she's hurting people and don't even realize she's not doing it on purpose. They're two very different people. Right. My middle daughter, she's the funny one. She's the one that she doesn't try to be funny. I say she's the funniest person I know. My oldest daughter has my mom's singing gift. She can sing like at three and four years old. She was singing note for note with Elsa and like all the people on the road and stuff like I'm, I'll be driving and she'll be singing. And I'm like, oh, yep, that's God, because that's like you learn how to do that in college. So like I can't do that. And I've been singing my whole life. So like they're very different, but they don't care. Because if one of them gets ice cream, huh, where's mine? If one of them gets a pink purse, where's mine? If one of them happens, to, so this is the first year that 
they'll both start school the same day and get out of school the same day. Where my youngest daughter would get would start about 10 days later, and she got about 10 days earlier. And would you know that my oldest daughter, it was the most miserable about 20 days of her life when she had to get up and go to school and B.B. got to stay home. And you know B.B. let her know. <laughs> Addie's getting up for school, and B.B. would go, <sighs> and just roll back over and go to sleep. You got to be kidding me. This is ridiculous. Why? Because we don't like when somebody has something we don't have. We don't like it. And we think that that changes as we grow up, but it doesn't. We just get more mature about how we handle it. Right? Like we don't throw fits and cry and scream. We just post about it on Facebook. We don't, we don't. We don't, you know, be mean to them and, like, stick our tongue out at them. We just talk about them behind their backs. When four of us go to, you know, a restaurant after church, we talk about the other person. That's what usually happens. See, but we're not immature. We're just talking. We're praying. It's prayer request time. And we're going to pray for Jamie because, you know, Jamie needs prayer. That's why. You know why? she? You ever, whenever somebody says she needs prayer, it's probably not because she actually needs prayers. They want to talk about how bad the person is. Never the eyebrows come up, like she needs it. No, you need it. Put the eyebrows down. But to each to his own ability. Now, it's very easy for us to grow jealous or envious of gifts or advantages that other people have when compared to us. Very easy that that. But it's important to remember that your parents are not the source of your abilities. Your parents didn't get to pick what you can do and what you can't. God did. And, and, and I read, I think the first week or the second week I was here, I talked about Psalm 139, where it says that you saw my, my substance while yet being unformed. When, when it says that God saw our substance, that's our purpose. That's why he created me before I was formed, which means my purpose predates my body. My purpose predates the, the, the shell that it was placed in. And so God created you with a purpose and then built a body around it. So that means that the body you have is made, custom made for the purpose that's within you. But a lot of times we don't see it that way. Now, our, the reason why we know that our parents are not the source is because our parents are not, they are the influencers, our background, our upbringing, our, our race, our economic status growing up, those were influences on who we are and who we became. But they're not the source. They're not the creator. They're not the originator of who we are. You follow what I'm saying? They're not. And if we, if we mix this up, we then start judging, well, I would be different if I wasn't born to so-and-so. I would be different if I wasn't born like this. I would be different if I wasn't born when I was born. Things would be different. But it's because of, the, no, no, it's not. Because God gave, the master gave these talents out to each according to his own ability. Who determines our own ability? God. God determines our own ability. Now, let's keep going. God predestined you and I for a specific time and a specific place and a specific purpose before you were ever conceived by your parents. The word predestined means pro pre orizo, which is to be to be set beforehand. 
So God established you. He knew who you would be and when you would be it. You've, I think I've said this last week, but if not, we're going to have a little more fun with it because I enjoy the conversation. Have you ever said, I wish I would have been born in such and such era? You ever, you ever said that? Like, my dad wishes he would have been born in, like, 1880. Because my dad is, I, I don't know, first off. But second of all, my dad is the kind of guy that before he got sick, you could give him a roll of fish and twine, a pack of Starburst, and a butter knife, drop him off in the woods, and six weeks later, he's got a condo. <laughs> he's got a fridge, don't know where it came from, and he's got a, it's full of meat, and he's like got his feet propped up, and he's good to go. Like, that's who my dad was before he got sick. And he used to always say that he would have loved to have grown up in an era when hunting was a necessity, not a hobby. So that he could have done what he loved to do professionally all day, every day, all year long. He would have loved it, right? I'm like, my dad didn't have had air conditioning. And he's like, true. I'll just move up north where it's not as hot. I'm like, okay, that's fair. You can do that if you want. That's fine. Me, I would have loved, and y'all think I'm crazy. I would have loved to have fought and survived World War II. Because I could have come home from the war, and I could have made a bunch of money as a musician in the 50s. That, I mean, that would have been a blast for me. I love that era, that time, every time we go, I, t I think I said this last week, every time we go to Gulf Shores, I got the little restaurant we go to, and I'm like, God, why was I born in the 80s? Why? I had to live through the 90s and the 2000s. Why? I don't like rap. Why? Why did rap have to be the pop of the music when I was born? Why couldn't I, why couldn't it have been doo-wop and stuff in the 50s? That's what I like. But no, God knew I needed to be born when I was born. He predestined it that way. Let me show you what I mean by that. Go to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 11 and 12. In him, say in him. In him also we have obtained an inheritance being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. Not according to the counsel of our preference. Not according to the counsel of our desires, according to the counsel of his will. That he who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of his glory. Romans 9 verse 20. But indeed, O oh man, who are you to reply against God? Will the thing formed say to him who formed it, why have you made me like this? Tell me you've never said that. Tell me you've never said, man, why, why, why am I like this? Every time I fix my hair. Why? God, why? Why, Lord? I don't understand. It's not fair. It's just not. See, what ends up happening, we have to remember that the amount of time, faith we have, as well as the type of talent we have, was 100% connected to our purpose. When I allow insecurity or jealousy a place and begin to discredit what I have or what I don't have, I'm telling God he made a mistake. When I begin to let insecurity or jealousy take place and take root in my heart and in my life, what I'm doing is I'm telling God that what you gave me was wrong or it isn't enough. So for some reason, God thought I needed to be 5'8", not 6'1", have this hairline, and be born in 1987. For some reason, that's his purpose, not mine. That's his purpose. But so many times we don't realize it, but insecurity gets a root in because we don't agree with those things. Or we get jealous of somebody else. Man, look what they have. If I had what they had, 
basketball, it'd be a different story. Man, if I had what they had. My goodness. Now, it's important, remember, before we move on, you don't get to determine what you've been given. You only get to determine what you do with what you've been given. Because remember, last week, God is, God is not comparing the guy with two talents against the guy with five. God's comparing the guy with five talents against what he does with the five and the two with what he does with the two. Because if you're not careful, you will begin judging yourself and comparing yourself against what that person has. Well, he can do more because of what he has. No, he can do more in your eyes. But just because that person's able to give more money to the kingdom than you are doesn't mean he's doing what he was created to do. He could be giving more money to try and buy his way out of having to obey what God's actually calling him to do. Y'all know Pastor Carl's story. Pastor Carl owned the, the beauty school and the, the hair salon right in the city. And when God called him to the ministry, he sold them both. What if Pastor Carl would have said, no, I don't want to stop making this money. So I'm just going to tie 30%. And I'm going to just give more money because that's going to help the king. I think his pastor would have been okay with it. And he could have funded more missions. He could have done all these things. And on paper, it would look like Carl Catalanata is doing great and amazing things for the kingdom. But in all reality, he was living in disobedience if he decided to not do what God told him to do and rather do his version of what he thought God would be okay with. We have a lot of people in church doing what they're thinking and hoping God is okay with instead of the thing that God told them to do. And if we're not careful, we'll get before God and think we deserve such and such reward. But he's not comparing you to what you did compared to other people. He's doing and comparing you with what God told you to do. In 2012, was it 12? Yes, it was 12. I was working, still working at Cash America Pawn Shop. Pawn, P-A-W-N, my grandmother continually thought that I was working at a porn shop. And I was not. It was Pawn, P-A-W-N. And um, yeah, I'm telling you, the first time I, I told her I was working there, she threw something at me. And my grandma's not that person. But anyway. <laughs> and so I'm working there, and I get a, a call from a buddy of mine. And he says, hey, um, I got a pastor from right outside Chicago just called me suburb of Chicago, and they need a worship pastor, and they need somebody who's got some soul, and you have soul, and they need somebody young who doesn't have a lot of attachments yet, and they know you just got married, but will you take the call? I'm like, sure, I'll take the call. Why not, right? So I'll take the call. Well, let me tell you something. At the time, I was working making $9.36 an hour. I knew I wasn't supposed to move up in management, but how am I going to be the provider for a family making $9.36 an hour? I can barely take my family to McDonald's. Well, I get the phone call from this church. I'm on the call with them, and this is literally what happens. This is like three different stories I could tell you like this. I get to move to Chicago. They're going to put me up in a house for six months. They're going to start me at $45,000 a year. They're going to give me a church cell phone, and they're going to pay my gas until I find a place close enough to the ministry. They're going to, like, set me up. I'm going to have a full benefit package, full retirement, and I get to be a worship pastor. And I'm sitting in Chalmette working at the pawn shop, pastoring 15 kids and youth, thinking to myself, well, I wonder which of these things seems like the better decision. But it didn't matter what seemed like the better decision. God told me where I was supposed to be. And just because this opportunity came, God's mind didn't change. See, sometimes God will allow doors to pass in front of you that look like him and sound like him, but they're not him. 
And if you're not careful, you walk into a door that sounds like God, looks like God, but isn't God, and wake up six months later so far out of the will of God that you don't even know how to get back. Because we weren't paying attention. We were so busy looking and comparing and staring off into the distance at everybody else except of what God has given us. Now we know the currencies. And now we know why and how the amounts are determined. Because God said, for your purpose, you need this. And for your purpose, you need this. Now how do we invest them? We know what they are, time, talent, faith. And we know that we're not being compared against each other. We're being compared about what we were assigned. And now we know why we were assigned what we were assigned. Well, Pastor Chris, I haven't been given a whole lot. No, you've been given everything you need. First Peter chapter 1, we've been given everything we need for life and godliness. Everything you need to accomplish your purpose has been placed in you. When God, one more little truth. When God created the heavens and the earth, right, and he, he, he created life on the planet, you realize that the earth had everything in it it would need to produce grain, right? It had everything it needed. But you want to know how I know that it didn't do it all at once? Because Genesis 2 said that it had not yet caused to rain. God had not yet allowed it to rain. You know why? It's so powerful. In Genesis chapter 2, I think it's verse 7. God had not yet caused it to rain because there was no man to till the ground. Stop asking God to rain blessing in an area of your life that you can't till the ground. God, God, send me a spouse. Send me a spouse, God. Send, send me somebody. Well, I'm ready to send. Can you till the ground of a spouse yet? I don't know. Can, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not picking on you. I'm just asking the question. God, I need, I, need, I need more financial blessing in you. Can you till the ground of $10,000 more a year? Because he's not going to let it rain because he values his seed. He values what he put in you. So he's not going to allow blessing to fall on you until you can manage it and you can steward it and you can maintain it. But everything's already there. Oh, you've got to catch this. Everything's already, he's not withholding from you. It's already been placed in you. He's just allowing you not to be overwhelmed by the goodness of God and purpose that he has inside of you. If God would have asked me to pastor two churches four years ago, I wouldn't be pastoring two churches. Because even though the gifting and the talent and the ability was in me, the stewardship wasn't at the level yet, so God couldn't allow it to reign on that area of my life. This is not in my notes. This is just free. We're just going to keep going because the kingdom is the kingdom, and sometimes things just fall out, right? You ever been carrying something to the car, and something just fell out the bag? That just fell out the bag. It wasn't supposed to. Take it. Enjoy it. Hallelujah. Let's go. How do we sow or vest intentionally? The title of this message, if you can give you the title, is found here in Matthew 13, verse 3. i got to flip to it. Matthew 13, verse 3. Then he spoke many things to them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went out to sow. That's the title. A sower went out to sow. A sower went out to sow. You want to know why I think that's funny? Because it's like saying a plumber went out to plumb. <laughs> or an electrician went out to a... Whatever. I don't even know what word to use. <laughs> a piano player went out to piano. Of course a sower went out to sow, right? You would think that's a... No, it's not. 
Want to know why it's not? Because there's people in churches all across America who aren't sowing. A sower went out to sow. We must realize that we are sowers all day, every day. But he went out to sow. He didn't go out to go to the grocery and then accidentally drop some seed. He didn't get up and go to work and bring a little extra just in case he felt like it. No, he went out to sow. He got up with purpose and said, today, I'm a sower. God is giving me seed. He has given me talent. I'm going to invest it. I'm going to sow it. I have purpose today. I might be going to work, but I'm going to sow while I work. I might be going to Thanksgiving dinner, but I'm going to sow while Thanksgiving. I might be going to church, but I'm going to sow. A sower went out to sow. How do we sow and invest intentionally? Look at time. Oh, this is going to be fun. Look at the person next to you. It's about to get real fun. A lot of real fun. I invest my time where I spend it. Like I said last week, we're spending time with someone. I got to spend time with my grandma. I got to spend time with my children. Yesterday, I spent time with my kids. I made them detail my truck. It was amazing. I gave him the little vacuum. I gave him the little trash. I said, go ahead. It's all your stuff anyway. Get it out. Let's go. Teaching them. It's great. Two little minions. It's fantastic. <laughs> but I spent time. We went to McDonald's, and we sat down, and we had the little deal, and I had the fight. Can I play with my toy? Not until you eat. Okay, I eat. Can I play with the toy? Right? Y'all, y'all have been there. Right? We had that little fight. It was great. It was a blast. And then we go. But I spent the time. I, I could have done that without them. I could have got it done faster. I could have knocked out another hour on one of my audible books that I listened to. I could have done some pastoral work on the phone, right? I could have done things, but no, in, I, I decided, I said, I'm going to intentionally sow and spend time with my children. The other day I sat down to actually type this out, to send it to Nick, get it on the screen. And my kids were playing a game that before that I wasn't home for, and they had an hourglass. It was a minute hourglass. And it was sitting there, and... I have a habit of, you know, not being able to not touch things. So I took it and I flipped it. And the Holy Spirit grabbed me by the throat when I flipped it. You know how they got those pictures you see where, like, in the front is clear and then the background isn't and then it switches? You ever seen that? Where, like, your front of the camera comes in focus and then what's in front of you gets out of focus and what's behind it comes in focus? Well, that's what happened because the hourglass was on the table right here, but my children were behind it. And so I knew this was a minute, and I watched it for a minute, and the Holy Spirit said, the sand doesn't go backwards. That's a minute you'll never get again. And so I began to realize how valuable the seed of my time is. Now let's keep going. I invest my time where I spend it. Many people desire certain results but fail to invest correctly in order to see those results. We desire to be in shape, but we fail to invest or sow into our diet or eating right. We desire to fix our finances, but we fail to strategically address our spending. We desire our kids in the Lord, but we fail to invest for it. We can be in the place we want and still not invest our time intentionally. But there's another aspect to investing time that we have to talk about, and that's our money. Now, notice, at no point in time during this have I talked about money. Because money is not one of the currencies God gave us. Somebody's going to get set free in this next five, ten minutes. The average McDonald employee 
makes between eighteen to twenty-seven thousand dollars a year. Eighteen thousand to twenty-seven thousand dollars a year. And if you work for McDonald's, I'm not picking on you. I just picked a random job. The average for a doctor of family medicine is two hundred and forty-two thousand dollars a year. Now, are either one of those people less valuable than the other? No. Or either one of those have either one of those people been given more by God? No. No, what they did was they each invested their time differently. Let me tell you why. It takes 10 to 14 years to become a fully licensed physician, and it takes one day of video training and one day of on, hands-on training to work at McDonald's. So one took 10 to 14 years. The other one took two days. You see where I'm going? The time of a doctor has more monetary value than the time of a McDonald's worker because the time of the investment made by the doctor. The doctor invested their time for 10 to 14 years. And as they invested that time, they are now reaping the benefit of the time that they invested. Now, let's go a little bit further. Another quick example. Let's say you bring home $2,000 a paycheck. And you want to take, and it's bi-weekly, so you work 10 days, and you get so $1,000 a week. I don't know how much it is an hour. It doesn't matter. You work $2,000. That, that's, your, that's your paycheck at the end of two weeks. But you want to take your family on vacation to the beach for four days, but the condo costs you $2,000. So what you are saying is that four days with your family is worth 10 days at work. That's what you're saying. From a time perspective, you would spend 10, which we all would, right? We'd spend 10 days at work to get four days at the beach. But we all know that it isn't just 10 days because that 2,000 has to go other things. So it's more than just 10 days that ends up being invested in work to be able to reap, to be able to sow it over here and especially 10 time with my family. Now, when it comes to God and our money, we have what's called the tithe. Tithe means the tenth. Right? We know this. And we know this. But I just got to be honest with you. In all the things that have happened here at this church this year, one of the areas this church has been hit the hardest is in its finances. Now, I'm not getting a penny to pastor here. I, don't, I want you all to know that. I'm not here because I got a bonus or a raise. That's not the case. I'm just letting you know that the financial state of this ministry has not, is not the greatest. But he's the provider. And if, if God's going to grow this ministry, he's going to go it through you and your giving. But if you shut off the top, if you shut off the bottom, the bottom of the pipe, God will close off the top. If you keep the bottom open, God keeps the top open. Bible says he gives seed to the sower. That's what he does. Now, tithe means a tenth. I need you to listen very carefully, and this is, what's, this is like the line of the message. God is not after your money. He's not. I wonder how I know that. Like, it's not just something that I say. Some preachers just say it because it sounds good. No, I'm, I'm positive that God is not after your money. Do you know why? Because God didn't originally give you money to invest. God wants a return on what he gave you. What did he give you? Time. So God isn't after your money. God is after your time. However, our money is the tangible result you and I get for what we do with our time. 
That's why when I give 10% and a doctor gives 10%, it's the same even though the money isn't because it took him the same amount of time to get what he's giving as it took me to give what I'm giving. So it literally has nothing to do with the dollar amount. Nothing. It has everything to do with our willingness to give God time back. And I can promise you that if you would get in your mind and in your heart and in your spirit that when I'm tithing, I'm giving God my time back, it'll change the way you see it. Because nobody questions giving God time. Nobody ever says, man, I, I, I gave God too much time this week. That would be an amazing problem. I gave God way too much time this week, way too much. I prayed way too long. Nobody's ever said that, but people will say, man, I don't have any money to tithe. I don't have enough money. No, 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 you don't have enough money not to tithe. I can give you story after story after story after story after story of how God took the little bit that I had and I was obedient and I tithed and he like tripled it, like within 20 minutes. One time it was within like 30 seconds. I gave my tithe. I had $80 to my name. My tithe was $80, and so I went to go give it, and I, put, I had no money. I had nine roofing nails and three of my, across three of my tires on my truck, and I drove for pizza. I delivered pizza, so you need tires. I had work that evening. I go put the $80 in the basket. I'm walking back to my seat. Somebody stands up and comes up and gives me 500 why? Because God's like, watch me and see if I will not open up the windows of heaven and pour out more blessings than you could possibly contain. The reason he does it is because he's showing us that the money is irrelevant. It's just a tangible version of our time. That's how you invest your time is through your tithe. That's why when people give offerings, it's above I'm giving more of my time. So don't let the enemy tell you that because you don't make $200,000 a year that you can't do as much in the kingdom. No, 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 no. If you're tithing and the, the rich person isn't, you're giving more of your time back. You're giving what God originally gave you. Notice back in Matthew 25, when he comes back to see what the servant gave him, the servant with five said, Lord, I took you five talents and I got you ten baskets of produce. That's not what he said. He said, I had five talents, now I got ten talents. Because God's looking for the return on the original investment. And God didn't give me money, God gave me time. Does that make sense? God didn't give me money, he gave me time. If my tithe is 200 and another person is 500, we're investing the same, both 10% of our time. The second one, how we invest, that's how we invest our time, we invest our talent next. That's the only way you invest your time, but that's the one I want to really hit on this morning. Talent. This one's a whole lot easier to break down because it's the easiest to apply. If you're gifted at something, find a way to use that gift of the Lord. Example, the saxophone. I didn't need to play the saxophone this morning. I have, we didn't practice. I have never played saxophone on that song before in my life, ever. It was like, hey, I need to play the saxophone this morning because it fits with the message. It's like, okay, we'll get you in. All right, great. That's what's going to happen. Cool. We have like a brief conversation. I honked for like 30 seconds before service. Boom, saxophone. It's a talent. God gave me the talent. You know what talent sometimes I wish he would have gave me? I wish he would have given me the ability to dance, but I can't. I think because if God gave me the ability to dance with the music talent and the singing talent I have, it wouldn't be fair and I'd be arrogant and you wouldn't like me. You might not like me anyway, but you definitely wouldn't like me if I could dance. If I could dance like Michael and preach and play music, oh, Lord Jesus, it'd be problems. We'd have problems. 
I tried to moonwalk one time for a week, and I think God wouldn't let me. I tried to learn. It took me. I was trying. You see these these feet? They 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 work on drums. They don't work on dancing. It's terrible. Anyway. Now, you are missing out if you are not investing your talent in the kingdom. You're missing out. Pastor Chris, I don't play an instrument. We ain't asking you to. I don't know what I'm good at. Do you know how to make people laugh? Do it. I walked up this morning. I got, I got some grade A greeting this morning. I mean, top of the line greeting this morning. Why? Because she's gifted at it. And so she said, here, God, this is what I got. I can smile. I can talk to people. I don't mind yelling across the parking lot. It's all right. Boom. I'm going to give it to you. Think about the little boy would have thought his lunch was insignificant. 5,000 people would have been hungry. Jesus wouldn't have been able to preach if that little boy thought what he had was too little. Stop thinking what you had was too little if God gave it to you. If God gave it to you, it's exactly what you need to have. Now, you get to be part of what God is doing. Now, I need to combine the last two points real quick. You can take your time and invest it to get a talent to use. I don't know how I know this. Nick, when did you start playing piano? Okay, about eight years. Nick is not 10. Nick had the epiphany that he was going to have to lead worship and wanted to lead worship from the piano. So instead of praying for God to send a piano player, he took the time that God had given him and invested it into acquiring another gift that he could use for the kingdom. What is something God is calling you to begin investing in to begin to use? Your, your time into a talent. Because, Pastor Chris, I don't have any extra time. Again, let's check Netflix. Let's check social media. I read a post the other day on Twitter. I got back on Twitter. I was looking for one thing, and this one guy I used to follow was preaching so good, I just kept on checking him. And he posted something the other day. He said, the proof of our social media use, the evidence of our social media use is the proof that we do not have a problem with time, with time to read the Bible, but faith. Time is not the issue. Faith is with why we don't do it. You can invest that time into becoming something the ministry needs. Invest that time in becoming something the kingdom needs. Why? Because God gave you that time. And he's going to be asking for what you do with it. God, I watched all 37 seasons of The Chosen with my time. Praise the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I did it. I did it. It was hard. It was hard. That couch got uncomfortable. Lord, I finished it. Praise God, I finished it. No, 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 no. No, God, I took time to learn how to speak Spanish. I learned how to speak Korean. 
I learned how to do graphic design. I learned how to do sound engineering. I learned how to be a better kids worker. I learned how to be a better security person. I learned how to be a better leader so that I could be trusted with what the kingdom has and the people that come in. I learned. I went and read courses. I went and did this. I went back to school. I went and found a way to, to go get higher certification at my job so I could make more money so I could give more to the kingdom. Why, it's proactive thinking. How can I invest more? What can I do with what I have to get the most return on it? But people don't think this way. Most people in America think, what's the bare minimum I can do to get by? There are a lot of people who are wanting Jesus to be Savior so they don't have to go to hell. But nobody really wants him to be Lord because they lose the ability to do what they want to do. When the deal is, is that we've got seed that we've been given. We've got a currency that we've been given by the creator of heaven and earth. The same person who decided to make Mars. I don't know why he made Mars. What's it there for? I don't know. Just show off. Like the same person that makes planets when he wants to show off. Let's put stars. Like that's what God, that person said, Dontrell, you're going to be funny. You're going to have a personality that can light up a room. The same God did that. Just as much as he shows off with sunsets and planets and all that, he's showing off through you. Find a way to invest it so we've got time, we've got talent. Now, how do we invest our faith? We must be very careful where we invest our faith because it is the most powerful of the three currencies. We've got to remember also that faith is the substance of things hoped for. So wherever my faith is, my hope is also. Now, there's an order to investing in the kingdom, and most people don't even realize it. They don't realize it. Many people invest this way. Talent, time, faith. That's how many people do it. Now, what does that mean? I'm good at playing guitar. So I invest my time. I mess my talent first. I'm going to give my, my guitar there, so I'm going to invest my time in it. But because I invest so much of my time in my talent, then I invest my faith and hope in my talent to produce the return I want. That, man, if I, if I just get better at playing the guitar, I practice and I practice and I get better at playing the guitar, then, then, then I'm, I'm, I'm going to be able to make the money I want. I'm going to be able to lead worship the way I want. Be able to give God what I want. All, I, I, because now my hope is in my talent to take me somewhere. You ever met a ball player like that? I just got to get, I got to get better at ball. I got to get better. At, I'm going to shoot 1,000 shots a day. I'm going to shoot 2,000 shots a day. Because if I, if my talent, if I invest my time in my talent that I'm good at, if I get good enough at it, it'll take me where I want to go. It'll get me out of the hood. It'll get me where I got to go. It'll fix all my financial problems. It'll do all the stuff. You hear that story all the time, and it works for like less than 1% of people. Because they're investing with their talent in front. I'm good, at, I'm good with people, so I'm going to just invest my time with people. I'm going to give all my time to people and trust that if I'm investing enough in people, then I'm going to get a spouse out of it. Because I'm putting my talent at the forefront. But then what ends up happening is we always are met with disappointment because God will not let you get what he has for you if he's not the center. So many people invest talent, time, and faith. When it should be flipped, it should be faith. Time, talent. My faith is in the Lord, so I invest my time in the kingdom and knowing him. Because I invest my time in him, he empowers me to use my talents for the original purpose he gave them to me. 
when I invest this way, my talent isn't the determining factor in my return, but where I put my faith is. There are a lot of people who get disappointed because they put all their energy and effort in that they were smart and they went to school and they became an orthopedic surgeon and then they get to where they got everything they ever thought they wanted and they're still miserable because their talent was at the center and their hope was in their talent. There are so many people who are, how many rich people you know commit suicide because they've got it all and still don't have what they were looking for. It's because the talent was at the center. The talent was what they built their life on. The talent is what they thought was going to be the source when God will specifically refuse to allow anything else to be the source but him. Then you meet people who live in other countries, devote themselves to missions work, who have so little money, who have so little talent, but God is at the centerpiece and they've got more joy than they could ever possibly contain. Why? Because he is the source. When I'm investing in the kingdom, when a sower went out to sow, I've got to be sowing where God wants me to sow. I've got to be sowing in line with this word. I've got to be sowing in a manner that gives him glory if I want to see the results in my life. Because when it says that he will pour out blessings upon your life more than you could possibly contain, you know the story, the messages. I know Pastor Carl preached on it. So I know you've heard the teaching that he'll pour, open up the windows of heaven so much that you can't contain it. The only reason and he opens up the windows of heaven is because you're in the room that's connected to heaven. You're in the place that God has called you to be. But you only get there by investing. A sower went out to sow. Where are you intentionally sowing right now? Intentionally. Where are you intentionally sowing? I'm going to close with this you just put on a slow song for me I'm going to have to leave in a minute but I'm, I'm going to need Nick and Sam to come pray for people if we need it but I realized let's say I think the decision was made for me to take Metairie I think in February, I think that was right, right after the uh, Take the Lead conference. And I realized that if I was going to do this, that I had to start investing my time differently. And so I started trying to pray and seek God and ask older and wiser people, if I'm about to pass into church truth and says, where do I need to be investing my time to make sure that I'm not
I want to be, when I get to heaven, I want to be I want to get into heaven and say, Lord, if there's anything left that I didn't give you, I didn't know. And I left it all on the field. I left it all laid out there for you. Where are you? So where is somewhere you can start to sow more? I can tell you that there are people in this room who are Or you're afraid to step into make a lot of money. I will promise you this that God will take whatever you got left of the spirit of the He's a much better man than your money Spirit of 